welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. All right. Can I just hear one amen, please? Just one amen. That was five or ten. That was really good. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 13. And if you have not been with us online or you haven't been with us, obviously, in the church service here, it has been like almost two months now. Um, we started a series about three weeks ago entitled Turn, Trust, and Follow. And it, w- it came to me after I received a partner letter from Keith Moore concerning three things he said that the church really needs to put at a priority right now if they want to have guaranteed safety in these times and the times ahead. And he said in his letter, and I'm going to quote you the sentence that really stuck out to me. He said, if God's people would turn from their wrongdoing and trust God and follow his leading, you'll be safe no matter what happens in the earth. Turn from your wrongdoing, trust God, and then follow his leading every day of your life. The Bible says you'll, I mean, you find scripture after scripture that says you're going to do well and you're going to be safe if you do those three things. And I really believe the number one reason he put turn from your wrongdoing first is because wrongdoing, when, we, when we're not living the way we know we're supposed to be living, whether you think this is happening or not, your faith's being hurt. Wrong living knowingly hurts your faith. And you don't want anything hurting your faith in these end times. You want to make sure your faith is in really good shape for the end time happenings that are happening all around us. You don't want to be caught off guard is what I'm saying. And really, it's really simple. If you you know something's wrong, don't do it. Because if you do do it, your conscience is going to hurt you and your heart's going to be condemned. And if at the same time, Something happens where you need your faith, you're not going to be in real good shape to overcome it. And we, we, we're encouraging people. I really believe this is a time that we need to really analyze our life and ask ourselves, are we doing anything that is displeasing to the Lord? Is there anything we're doing that we kind of like say, Lord, <clears throat> I'd like you just to stay out of the room right now while I do this thing because I, I, I'm not sure you would really like what I'm watching or listening to or partaking of or putting in my body. Um, what, friend, you can't do that and have strong faith at the same time. The Bible says if pestilence or famine or bad things ever happen in the earth, God said if my people would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'd hear from heaven, I'd forgive their sin, and I would heal their land. So just praying more isn't going to heal our land. If there's some things that need to be turned from, praying alone, attending more prayer meetings, upping your prayer time at home, is not the only thing that God said to do if we want our land healed. Turning from wicked ways is basically turning from things that are displeasing to the Lord. And I know sometimes people will say, and they've asked me in times past, Pastor, do you think this thing is wrong? My answer is, for you it is, because if you have to question it, you're not fully persuaded it's God's will, and whatever is not of faith is sin. 
Romans 14, 23 says. So if you can't do it in faith, believing that God's pleased with it, believing that it's a-okay with God, leave it alone. If you have to question it, leave it alone, right? Well, pastor, do you think indulging in this is wrong? For you it is, leave it alone. Because if you're not fully persuaded, just the fact that you're questioning it shows you're not fully persuaded. You gotta leave it alone. Pastor, do you think this is wrong? If you have to ask, it's wrong. Because if you have to ask, you're not fully persuaded. So I just, we've been talking about this for a while and we've actually talked a little bit for a couple services about repentance, about how powerful and wonderful the gift of repentance is, how God will help you turn from wicked ways and live free for the rest of your life. You know, it's kind of like this. If we just pour more teachings about faith in us, but we've got the drain open through wrongdoing, well, it's like trying to fill up a bathtub with water and the drain's not plugged. You gotta plug the drain first, then fill it up with water. Because if we keep filling up on the Word, but we're living in a way we know is displeasing to the Lord, it's like all that Word's coming in and going right out and it's not doing much good. So we had to stop the drain. We had to plug the drain and say, you know what, if there's anything that we're doing that's hurting our faith, destroying our confidence, um, and causing our heart to feel condemned, stop it. So that your faith can work great when it needs to work. Now, we, we talked a little bit about sins of omission, too, and that is not doing something good that you know to do, but you're refusing to do it. That's also a sin. It's a sin of omission. And so, whether it's a sin of commission or omission, it's time for the church to shape up. It's time for the church to lay aside every weight, and the sin, which does so easily trip us up. I thought it was interesting. The Lord said, it's, yeah, you need to get the sin out, but there's also some weights that are holding you back from God's best, holding you down from running your race like you're supposed to. Get those out of your life too. What's a weight to me may not be a weight to you. What's a weight to you may not be a weight to me. But if you'll pray and seek the Lord, He will show you things in your life that are unnecessary, that are holding you back from God's best. Lay them aside. God's got a way better life for you than those weights. He's got a way better, higher places for you than just some personal enjoyment and some of these things that aren't even sin, but they're weights. And so tonight I want you to go to Luke 13. And I want to talk a little bit more now about the trust part of those three things that we need to do to stay safe and to see God's best in our life. In Luke 13, Luke chapter 13 Tonight, I want to talk specifically about something Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. But before we go there, let's look here at Luke 13. And this will lead us into that. Jesus was in church on the Sabbath day. And he healed a lot of people in church on the Sabbath day. I wonder what would happen if those people just decided, I don't want to go to church today. I don't feel like it. They would have missed the healing. And so verse 11, Luke 13, 11, let's read a few verses here. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself in some crippling arthritic condition. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Interesting he didn't say woman, you're about to be loosed from your infirmity. He said this to her when she was still bowed together. 
Was Jesus lying? Sight said she was not loosed. Jesus said, you are loosed. Was Jesus lying? No. He saw something most people don't see. There's another realm called the spirit realm, and in that realm she has a perfect right to be straight by the power of God. He said, woman, you're free from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. Laying hands on her helped her to receive. And, and she was immediately made straight and glorified God. Now notice, the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Yeah, like they were getting him healed other days. Oh, come on. It takes demonic help to persecute somebody doing something good just because you don't like them. I see a lot of it going on with the President of the United States. I mean, if President Trump found a cure for cancer, they'd want to crucify him for some reason about it. It, it takes demonic help to think like that. Somebody's doing something really good and you want to criticize them. I mean, what's, what's the only way somebody would get mad at Jesus for healing a, a woman who was bowed together for eight? I bet if it was his mother, he wouldn't have, you know, if it was the, the Pharisee's mother, he'd be happy she got healed. So he's getting all bent out of shape because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day with indignation, said to Jesus, there's six days in which men ought to work and then therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Everybody say, demonic. <laughs> it takes demonic help. This is, this is a very blind person here. People that are blind, you know, spiritually, say stupid things. It's like, really? Then Jesus answered him and said, you hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? You got an animal that falls in the ditch, do you help him out on the Sabbath day? And he said, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I thought this was interesting. I wanted to show you this, and I'm going to tie it into where we're headed. Jesus said in verse 16, Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. She had a covenant. She was a daughter of Abraham. She entered into a covenant by birth, and she had covenant rights. But did you notice? She had a covenant right to be healed, and God wanted her healed, but she was bound for 18 years. I wanted to bring this out because there's a lot of people that have a covenant right to be healed, God wants them healed, and they're bound. Can you have a covenant with God? Can you, have a, can you have a covenant right to be healed? Can it be God's perfect will that you're healed, and you still not be healed? This woman was that way for 18 years. She was a child, daughter of Abraham 18 years ago, all the way up to this time she was healed. Why wasn't she healed? Why wasn't she, she had it. And I'm saying this now in light of the church, believers today. We all are in a covenant with God. We're going to receive communion here in just a few minutes. Re remembering that covenant, the blood and the broken body. We're in a covenant with God. 
We have a blood-bought right to be healed, delivered, prosperous, set free, full of peace, full of joy, strong, victorious in every area of our life. Why isn't it happening? If it's God's will, it just happens, right? No. It was God's will. This woman was healed 18 years before she was healed. I know it probably didn't start off as bad as it was 18 years, but something started in her life 18 years before this, and she had a covenant right to be healed from it. Why wasn't she? Well, the same reason a lot of people today aren't healed, though God wants them healed, though they have a covenant right to be healed. They just haven't heard the right things. I bet in those last 18 years, nobody ever came up to this woman and said, Hey, woman, you're free! <laughs> you're loose from your infirmity. Everybody else goes, What are you talking about? She's bowed together. She can't even lift herself up straight. What do you mean she's free? Well, according to natural physical sight, she doesn't look free. But there's another world. There's another realm called the realm of the Spirit. And in that realm, there's rights and privileges. There's real healings and blessings waiting to be pulled into this realm. And so the Lord told her, you're loose from your infirmity. That's a powerful word. You are free. Can you say that about yourself when you don't look free? Jesus said it about her when she didn't look free. Can you say, I am free when you don't feel free and not be lying? Well, yeah. What you is, is different than what you feel. You can say, I am free and feel sick at the same time. I am is stronger than I feel. And God says you're healed. God says you're free. And I really believe that one of the things we need to talk about tonight is why so many believers are not walking in their covenant rights and they're not seeing healing and deliverance and prosperity manifesting in their life, though they're children of God, children of Abraham, have covenant rights. He said, ought not this woman? She, she ought to be healed and you ought to be healed. She, if she ought to be healed and she was a daughter of Abraham, well, we ought to, ought to be healed. We're daughters and children, uh, sons of God. Say, I ought to, ought to be healed. <laughs> okay. You get my point? Now turn with me to Mark chapter 11. And I want to talk to you for the remaining time about three words that have to do with this other realm have to do with the spirit world where all the blessings of God are waiting to be received into people's lives. And it's, I uh, actually, I kicked back in my chair earlier tonight, studying for tonight's service. And this scripture came to me and I felt like the Lord said, just pull out your Bible and read that scripture and just think about it for a while. Because I can't think of anything, any problem, any demonic attack, anything in this world, anything in this life, that this scripture right here cannot totally fix. Isn't it interesting that one scripture can fix everything? That's how powerful the Word of God is. And this one scripture right here was given to us by revelation through the prophet of God, Kenneth E. Hagin, when the Lord said, go teach my people faith. This scripture right here is what got him healed of three incurable diseases when he was 17 years old, and he lived all his life, late into his 80s, and preach the gospel, and all kinds of great things happen in that ministry. And he, he points back to this scripture here as the scripture that got him healed off of his deathbed at 17 years old. And so, of course, he was on fire to preach it, and it'll work for anybody who will work it. So look at Mark chapter 11, 
And I'm just going to go right to verse 24. You can read what leads up to this later. It's all powerful. Jesus said, therefore, I say unto you. Uh, now, I, I guess I do need to make this clear. Verse 23 tells us who you is that he's talking to here. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, whosoever. Whosoever means everybody. Or he would have said, whosoever, except da-da-da-da-da. Whosoever. And then he goes right into verse 24. He's still talking to whosoever's and says, whosoever, therefore I say unto you, what things, plural, soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. All right. So let's talk a, few, a, a little bit. Let's break this scripture down. First of all, if you read this scripture, you're going to find out receiving answers to prayer has more to do with us than the Lord. Everybody say receiving answers to prayer has more to do with me than God. Well, obviously, there wouldn't be so many prayer failures. There wouldn't be so many people not receiving. If it was all up to God, then he's not doing a very good job. No, no, no. Look, look, how many times you is in this verse? Jesus said, therefore, I say unto you, that's one. What things soever you, that's two, desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Use five times in one verse. Notice he didn't even say, believe that God wants you to have or believe that God will give. He said very specifically, if you want to receive answer to prayer, you got to believe you do something. Believe you receive them. Now, as I was reading this scripture, I thought, well, most people have three quarters of this verse down. All right. Number one, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Desire. Everybody got the desire part down. Desire. That, that's our part. I think most people have the desire part down. When you pray, I think most people got the prayer part down. Right. But this next part. Believe you receive. Believe that you receive what? Believe you receive what? Believe you receive what? What you desired when you pray. Huh? In other words, you got to believe you receive something before you have something. Now, church, got to listen to this. You may, you may think, well, pastor, I don't need that. You're going to need this sometime in your life. The crisis of life comes to everybody. You're going to need something for yourself or somebody you love dearly. And you need to hone in on this. I've read this scripture probably over a hundred times and I still get fresh things out of it every time I read it. So don't think you know it just because you heard it five or 10 or 20 times. There's depths. There's, there's depths of revelation here. Matter of fact, the Lord was quickening to me. He said a lot of people don't need more. They need deep. They don't need more. They need to go deeper in what they already know. Say, I'm going deeper. 
Let's hit oil, guys. So he, let's read it again. Go back to the verse, please. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Believe you receive them. Let's say it's healing from uh, the flu. What things soever you desire. I desire healing from the flu, somebody says. Jesus says, okay, when you pray, when you claim your healing, when you ask for your freedom, when you ask for healing, right then, believe you receive it. And then you'll have it. You don't have it and then believe you got it. You believe you got it and then you have it. Do you see that? You got to believe you got it before you get it. This is so important because this works for healing. It works for financial help, getting out of debt, paying off houses, paying. This is a powerful scripture here. I personally have not done this scripture as much as I could have. But the Lord's stirring me up to come back to it. I think one of the reasons is because we are in the last days and we're actually going to need to be using these scriptures in these last days, not just knowing them and quoting them. I think we've, a lot of us have been in training for a long time. And now, we're, now we have enough ammo and we have enough knowledge, but now we're going to be required to actually use it. Can I get a witness? Um, I want to read the, out of the Orthodox Jewish Bible, and I'm not going to ask Hunter to put it up there because I doubt if they have that, one, that translation back there. The Orthodox Jewish Bible, here's what it says in this translation. Jesus says, For this reason I say to you, everything for which you pray... Everything you request in prayers, have faith that you have received it, and so it will be for you. Have faith that you have received it. Now, we do this all the time in the natural. Right? We order things online. We either talk to somebody on the other than the phone, or we just do the little thing we do on the website or whatever. And when we make a purchase, we believe we got something. Haven't even seen it yet in person. Maybe we saw a picture of it. Somebody said it's on the way. You hang up the phone, and you know it's a very interesting thing about it. If you ordered a refrigerator online, and you talked to somebody, and they said it'll be there in two weeks, one thing real interesting about that transaction is you hang up the phone, and you ain't trying to get a refrigerator anymore. I don't know if you're still trying to get it, you don't believe you got it. Hmm? When, when, when are you going to have the thing you're praying for? According to Mark eleven twenty four, when are you going? Jesus said, you shall have it. When are you going to have it? After you believe you receive it. When do you believe you receive the blessing? Before you have it. And this is the truth. See, a lot of people don't see this because they're so in this realm. They, they never probe beyond the five physical senses, the natural world. There is a spirit world. And we need to go there often in prayer, the throne of grace, praying in the spirit. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. There's a place that we can step into all, every day in the spirit. There's some things you got to step out and do things in the natural, but there's, we need to be visiting this place regularly. God said, come boldly to the throne of grace. It's a real place.
You get through it in prayer and faith. Now, let me read you the New Living Translation on this one. All right, Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Jesus said, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. If you believe you... Don't you like, what things soever you desire? What does that leave out? You know why we should never put pressure on people to give us things? You know why? Because faith never puts pressure on people. It puts pressure on the Word. Why would we put pressure on people to do something for us and and try to make them do something for us when we can get everything we want through this verse of Scripture here? If we'll just believe we receive, we'll have whatever we desire. So here's what I think the problem is. People do get in the realm of I believe I receive. But before too long, they're back in the realm of someday I'm going to get this blessing. Someday I'm going to have this thing. See, you slip from I believe I got it to I believe someday I'll get it. You know, a pregnant woman, here's an interesting thing. Um, There's two realms. Number one, we believe we got it. Right? That's the spirit realm. I believe it's mine. I believe I got it. I believe it's mine now. Jesus paid the price. It's mine. And then there is, I shall have it. There's an expectation of the thing you believe you have appearing. All right, let's go back to the ordering something online. You order a refrigerator. They say it's on the way. You paid for it. And now it's yours. You believe it's yours. You believe the word of somebody you don't even know. You believe it's yours, it's on the way, you're not trying to get it anymore, you believe it's yours. Now you're just expecting it to show up because you do believe it's already yours. You're expecting to see what's already been purchased. You following me? It's kind of like a pregnant woman, you know, she's expecting because she's already pregnant. Right? Do you understand? We're expecting to see because we already got. I don't see it. I mean, wouldn't it be weird if, if somebody came up to you and said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy you a new dress, ladies. Or guys, I'm going to buy you a new suit. Uh, spare no expense. Get the best. Get something tailor-made. And somebody you knew that, you know, had some integrity. If they came up to you and said, I'm going to buy you whatever dress you want or whatever outfit you want, guys. I'm going to buy you whatever you want. Would you wait until you saw the outfit before you thanked the person? Why? Why would you thank them when you haven't even seen the outfit yet? Because you believe their word is good. People waiting for these blessings to appear before they start thanking God. No, we should be thanking God the moment we pray, the moment we find the scripture, we should be going, Father, thank you. Glory to God. We need to develop a new reality. We need to develop a reality that says, you know what, if I pray for something, that's it. I don't need it anymore. It's on the way. God didn't lie. Um, Are you guys getting this? So, Say this, I'm going to stay in the realm of I believe I got it. After you pray, 
after you pray for things you know the scripture says belongs to you, and you believe you receive, now the challenge is stay in the realm of I believe I got it until it appears. Because if you don't, you'll slip out of faith and things can be aborted, the enemy can hinder, and you can really, it could really take a long time if you get out of the realm of I believe I got it. If you believe you receive it, when you pray, you're not trying to get it anymore. Oh, that's so important. Whew. Um, let's do this. Why don't you um, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. Here's another scripture real similar to what Jesus spoke on in Mark eleven twenty four. I can't think of anything Mark eleven twenty four cannot fix or bring into our lives that we know is God's will for our life. Can you? What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. We need to get an attitude about it. I personally believe, and I'm going to say this as a pastor to all of you out there that are part of this church, be cautious about praying just because you need something or want something. My suggestion and my anointed word to you, unless it's an emergency, that's a whole different thing, but just because just you need something, just because you want something, does not mean you're ready to pray for that thing. My suggestion is wait till you're ready to believe you receive something before you pray. Don't just have a need. Don't just have a want. Make sure you're ready to believe you receive it before you ask for it or before you claim it because another prayer failure will hurt your faith and confuse your spirit. I, I think it would be better to not pray than to not be ready to pray and pray and get nothing. Me personally, I'd say don't pray if you're not ready to believe you got it when you're done praying. I know that sounds a little strong, but I'm going to say it again. Don't pray just because you need and want something. Make sure you've meditated on God's promises long enough till you're in the realm of when I pray, that's it. Nobody needs to pray for me ever again in that area. I don't need to pray a second prayer about the same thing. I believe I got it. The Lord didn't lie. From that moment forward, I'm just going to thank God for it and act like it's true. Until you're there, don't pray. Because you got to be ready to pray. The more prayer failures you have, the harder it is going to be to get your next prayer answered. It brings confusion to your spirit, and it just adds another weight on, well, maybe prayer doesn't work. It does work. Better to not pray than to pray and not stand in faith so that prayer can come to pass. I know that sounds strange. Better not to pray, Pastor? Yes. Better not to pray than to pray and not stand your ground in faith until that prayer can be answered. It's just better not to pray because another prayer failure will hurt your faith for the next time. So, in 1 John chapter 5, John basically says the same thing Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. 1 John 5. And let's look here at verse... Uh, let's look at verse 14. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in Him. 
that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and his word is his will. New Testament. If you can find scripture, you have a right to claim it. You have a right to ask for it. If you ask anything according to his will, God hears you. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have, not going to have, we have the petitions that we desired of him. That's saying the same thing Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions we desired of him. I really feel like tonight you're being equipped. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what's coming on the earth later. I don't know what's coming. But I'm telling you guys, this is how you get victory. This is how you get free. Aren't you glad you can find your victory in one verse? You don't have to read the entire Bible to get healed of a deadly disease. You don't have to read the entire Bible to stay protected from plagues and things. You don't have to know chapter after chapter. This one verse got Kenneth Hagin off his deathbed, and it'll work for us too. As a matter of fact, the Lord said, go teach him what I taught you, because I want all my people healed and delivered. Um, if you haven't yet memorized Mark eleven twenty four, I would encourage you to do it so you can quote it as you're driving down the road and remind yourself of the words that Jesus said. Let's say it again. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, I want to talk about this. What does it mean to believe you receive? Well, we've hit it in a couple angles already. Basically, what I, what I see the Lord saying here, if you read Mark 11, well, let's read Mark eleven twenty three, and then we'll read it in connection with Mark eleven twenty four. You'll see one of the things that believe you receive means in verse 23. So go ahead and put Mark eleven twenty three up there. Jesus said, for verily or truly I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain or this problem, be removed, be cast into the sea. If this person that says to the mountain, be cast into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he or she will have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, because of this principle of saying and believing and believing and saying, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. And Mark eleven twenty three says, believing and saying is how you get results. Not just believing and not just saying, believing and saying. So one of the things the Lord said, therefore, I say unto you, is if you are going to pray for something, you need to believe you got it, and you need to talk like you got it. Yeah. Amen. So, so here, here's one of the things believe you receive means. Okay, over and above the persuasion in your heart that God didn't lie, talk like you got it, and you'll get it. If your talking is in line with your believing, Jesus said, talk like you got it and you get it. Somebody says, well, I believe. Well, you got to talk what you believe or you're still not going to work for you. He didn't, say if, he didn't say you'll have whatever you believe. He said you'll have whatever you say. Now, your saying has to be coming from believing, but believing alone isn't going to get you anything. I thought that was interesting. Believing alone doesn't even get you saved. you got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead in order to be saved. 
And James waxes really bold and says, you know, you talking about you have all this faith? He goes, wonderful. The devils also believe. The demons also believe and tremble. And they're not saved. Demons believe and they're eternally damned. Their home is the lake of fire. No hope of redemption. They're goners. But they believe? Yeah, they believe. They believe God exists. They believe Jesus is real. But they're not saved. You know why? Because you'll never get them confessing Jesus is Lord. You'll never get a, a demon saying until the end when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Uh, they're, just, they're just bent on destruction. They don't, they're not into receiving Jesus, but they do believe He exists. They believe in God. Well, you have to release your faith. You have to say what you believe. Did you ever notice that the universe didn't just come into existence because God believed? Did you ever notice that? It said the universe came into existence because God said something. What did he say? What he believed. It's called the faith of God. The Bible says, have not the faith of God with respect to persons. God gave us his faith. I remember one time, there was somebody in our church many years ago, they got very upset thinking that God actually operated by faith. Well, of course he operates by faith. And of course we're called to operate by faith because he told us to follow him. Be imitators of God as dear children. The Bible says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed. I like that word worlds, plural, don't you? <laughs> By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. God believed, God spoke, and God saw everything that he made and it was very good. Interesting. Well, this is how it's supposed to happen in our life. Jesus was constantly teaching his people, his disciples, how to get results like God gets results. I mean, don't you want your children to grow up and to be like you or even go further than you in the good areas of your life? Well, God's the same way. Jesus is not, you know, he's, he wants us to be like him. He wants us to be strong. He even said greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father. I mean, what parent doesn't want their children to grow up and to start doing what the parent's doing? And I know a lot of people, this goes, goes right over their head because there's so much in the carnal, so much in the natural, and, and just never want to branch out. And I, one of the reasons it is that way is because not a whole lot of people believe in being filled with the Spirit, speaking in other tongues, and living a Spirit-filled life. And if you don't believe that's for you, you will be to a degree locked into this lower natural realm and not believing God for anything greater than just what maybe you can naturally figure out in your brain. One of the greatest things about being filled with the Holy Spirit is you step up into a supernatural realm where all things are possible to him that believes. You can get out of any problem, overcome any test, get free from any bondage, be, be forgiven for any crazy past. But see, if you're not filled with the Spirit, you can't comprehend that kind of forgiveness and victory and power. It's just, you're limited. Um, so let's say it again. What does it mean to believe you receive? Talk like you got it and you'll get it. All right. What do you mean talk like you got it? Well, if you've prayed a prayer, let's say, let's say in the financial realm, let, let's say you've prayed a prayer and let's say you've sown some seed, you're a tither, you prayed a prayer and said, you know what, Father, I see right here in your word that if I fear the Lord and delight greatly in his commandments, 
wealth and riches shall be in my house. Okay. And Lord, I see right here where you said, owe no man anything but to love one another. I see this scripture right here where it says, you shall lend unto many nations, people of God, and you won't have to borrow. So Lord, I desire my house to be paid for. I claim my house paid off in Jesus' name, supernaturally quick, and I thank you for it. What do you desire? I desire my house paid off. I desire a second house paid for. I desire this thing. I desire that. And I desire it. I desire the best, and I desire it to be paid off owing nothing on it. All right, Lord, so I desire that. I pray for that. I claim that. And now I believe I receive it. And you said I shall have it. I believe I receive my house paid off. I believe I receive my house. I believe I receive that thing paid for, done, and it's mine. I believe I receive it. I believe I receive it. What are you doing? You're talking like you got it. I believe I receive it. Well, let's go a little further. What else does believe you receive mean? We know it means talk like you got it, right? But here's another thing it means. You ready? If you believe you got it, if you, if you want to know what believe you receive means, be happy like you got it. See, you can be happy for two reasons. Number one, you feel happy. Or number two, you just choose to be happy because you believe God's word's true. <laughs> you believe that the thing you desired is on the way. Be happy like you got it, Jesus said, and you'll get it. I guess you could sum the whole thing up like this. Live like you got it and you'll get it. Live like you got it. From the moment you release your faith, from that moment you declare, I believe I got it. And then... And this is easier said than done, maybe. But and then watch out about unconsciously slipping from the mode of I believe I got it to someday I'll get it. It's not what you said when you ordered the fridge. Someday you'll see it. But the only reason you're going to see it because you already own it. You're not even going to, there's nothing to expect to see if you don't already own it. You see, expecting to see something is different than believing you have something. But a lot of people haven't really believed they received it, so there's nothing to expect. If you really believe you received something, you're happy. Before, way before you see it. And that's what you got to do. The, the number one, the number one uh, point to effective praying is find scriptures that promise you what you're asking. Find scriptures that promise you what you want. Find scriptures. See, a lot of people don't want to find the scriptures, and that's why they go down five minutes after they said amen at the smallest little spiritual warfare. See, here's the thing people need to realize. When you hear a message like this, and you start praying in according to some of the things that Jesus taught here, demons are going to try to get you to give up. They don't want a manifestation of God's goodness showing up in His dark world here. 
He does every, He doesn't care if you're a nice Christian. He doesn't care if you go to church. He doesn't care. But he does care. The devil is greatly afraid of you getting a hold of a message of faith, praying like the Lord told you to pray, and actually seeing a manifestation of God's goodness in your life where everybody in this world can see it. The Bible, it's interesting that it didn't talk about the trial of your love. It didn't talk about the trial of your prayer life. It said the trial of your faith. What's Satan after? The thing that damages his kingdom the most. Faith that gets results. And if you pray a prayer, you better be ready with scriptures to rebuke and, to, and just cast down thoughts of doubt and reasoning and things that tell you, oh, it's not that important. You don't really need to receive this. You need to be doing this. You need to be ready to cast out all that junk, have scriptures under your belt. So when you say, in Jesus' name, I believe I receive it, you are now ready with scriptures to ward off anything that tries to tell you it's not working. You don't deserve it. It's not that important. Blah, blah, blah. You slap the devil with the scriptures you already found, the ones you built in you through meditation on those scriptures, because you're going to need those scriptures, not if, when demons come to try to get you out of faith so that what you're believing for never happens in this realm. And that's really good preaching. <laughs> so everybody say this, be happy like you got it. How about this? Drive down the road like you got it and you'll get it. Eat dinner like you got it. How many know you eat dinner a little differently if somebody just paid off your house? <laughs> right? Smile like you got it. Here's a good one. What does believe you receive mean? Because that's what proceeds you shall have. How about forgive other people for hurting you like you got it? It's kind of interesting. If somebody just walked up here right now and gave you $5 million, all of a sudden those people that hurt you don't rub you the wrong way anymore. It's like, you know what? I guess that wasn't that big a deal. Let's go buy our new home. <laughs> right? Forget, walk in love like you got it. And Jesus said, you'll have it. You have to get into this realm of, you know what? God didn't lie. Here's another thing. We've got to close now. It's 8.15. But here's another thing people need to realize. Our faith in God and our faith in His Word is strong based on our knowledge of the Word and it's strong based on our own faithfulness in our own life when it comes to us keeping our Word, living in integrity. I thought it was really, really interesting that Jesus found great faith, the greatest faith. You know, he said, I'm here in Israel, right? I'm, I'm called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm teaching all these Bible scholars and all these Old Testament scholars, and I'm looking for faith, and I'm not finding any faith among the church where all these people are studying scriptures every day. But I found great faith in a man who probably never been to a church. Had no Bible, no books on faith, Yet he had great faith. You know, that centurion had great faith because of the kind of person he was and he grew up to be. And this is something maybe we'll get in next week. The character of faith. 
You know, I remember one time seeking the Lord about great faith and how the centurion, Lord, I want to have the great faith like the centurion had great faith. I want Jesus to say, oh, John, great is your faith. Man, I haven't found faith like this in all Colorado, you know. I mean, oh, Lord, I want to have, and the Lord said, you want great faith? Don't just study what this man had. Study the kind of person he was that automatically had this kind of faith. No Bible, no books on faith, yet he had great faith. Interesting, he'd find great faith in a place you'd think it'd never be. A Roman centurion tells you right there the kind of life this guy lived. But one thing he did have is he had a revelation, not through a class, not through a book, through living. He had a revelation of what it means to give your word, to keep other people's words, because if you're a Roman soldier and you don't do what you're told to do and you tell people to do something, they don't do what they're told to do, severe discipline. He was trained in this area of integrity. He was trained in this area of I better be faithful or I'm out of here. And he had that in him. Then it came to trusting the Lord. He just knew if Jesus says it, it has to be because it's like I say it, it has to be. I'm told I have to do. Well, Jesus, all he's got to do is say it. And Jesus called that great faith. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.